0: So you're a huge fan of Atlanta United,
1: and you want Dave to give you the latest insights to our tactics.
0: Pineda five in the back? Are you kidding me? Or maybe you can't f and believe we signed Don Dwyer, and you want to hear Mikey Dobbs rant about it.
1: Well, you've come to the right place.
0: I'm David Katz, and I'm Mike Dobbs, and this is, is the, the ATL on, on Fire podcast. podcast.
1: everybody welcome back to another episode of atl on fire the podcast where we talk all things atlanta united football club and uh the talk is tough these days dave but uh (laughs) we uh we are on the fringe of just looking towards next year at this point
0: oof hate to say it (laughs) yeah
1: so you and i were both at the game last night we'll get into that yes um Appreciate anybody joining the live cast. This is the second time we've given that a shot. So a little bit of a, a learning curve here.
0: Yeah. Do tell us what's yeah. going on. How does it work?
1: Yeah. So we <laughs> are uh, broadcasting live on our YouTube channel. So just search YouTube for ATL on fire and uh, you should see a live broadcast where you can join. Uh, would love to get questions as we go through, through the podcast from everybody. So we can address uh, comments, thoughts, jokes, whatever you got, um, but also, you know, subscribe, tell a friend about the podcast as well. As
0: long as it's positive. If you got something, you know, that you don't like about the podcast, you know, you yeah. can keep that to yourself. <laughs>
2: yes, yeah, all positive. All positive. People. <laughs> no,
0: I'm just kidding. We'll take it all.
1: Come on. <laughs> so, Dave, what are we drinking? You've uh, brought us a really nice bottle tonight, actually, right?
0: Yeah, it's a... Uh, Very unusual for the podcast. It's a Spanish wine. It's a Rioja, which means, um, it doesn't say, but it typically means it's Tempranillo. Okay. Um, And it's from uh, Calificado. That's my terrible Spanish, but that's a famous wine region in Spain. So um, this is a Bodegas Rioja. Really nice.
1: Excellent. And uh, just so the listeners know, I lost a bet to Dave (laughs) um, a few few months back one bet one I usually (laughs) my track record's not looking good okay but yeah I I had said uh to end the season the EPL last year that uh Leeds United would finish ahead of Tottenham that did not happen so uh have gotten you a bottle wine so I had paid my debt there um but I I appreciate you bringing this because this is a heck of a bottle so thank you that's great so let's get into it um we played the Red Bulls last night at home Right. 7.30 kickoff. Um, what, uh, what, what are your top line thoughts on the game?
0: Well, I think, you know, we should start, you know, so this podcast, we've had three matches, right? So we've had Seattle, which was a victory. Right. We had Cincinnati, which was a draw. And we had um, last night against Red Bull, (laughs) which we'd rather not (laughs) say, but it was a loss. So I wanted to talk, I wanted to start, you know, if we want to go for it, let's go right at Seattle. And, you know, one of the things I was watching for in the Seattle game, right, is, um, you know, obviously Pineda came from Seattle, right? So, you know, his mentor is there. And one of the things I was watching for immediately, having not watched Seattle that much in the MLS, right, is, do they do anything differently than us, right? right? Has Pineda really just copied, um, what they were doing or has he actually tried to, you know, basically build a style or a tactic around our team. And (laughs) I think the answer is they play exactly the same formation as us. Often they had only two in the back. The outside backs were bombing forward. Um, and so that, to me, was a little bit disappointing. I mean, obviously, maybe our side could be, you know, you know, suit that tactic just like them. But in this case, if you look at the Seattle team, right, and you look at the Atlanta United team, they are completely different. Seattle's got a good team. We have a good team also. But we've got all of these attacking talents. They have, you know, maybe it could even be argued a stronger team or, or a good team overall. Um, although they've had some injuries and things, but um, they don't have the individual talent. And so you would think the system has to be suited for um, maximizing what the team does. That's a very different thing than us. And so to see them playing the exact same tactic to me was, was disappointing. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, You know, we, we had talked about that on a previous, you know, podcast in terms of, you know, Pineda playing to our strengths. We've got some defensive people coming back in. Another bet I lost, which was we saw Gutman and um, and Lennon in the game last night coming back much earlier. But, yeah, I agree. Obviously, you know, our talent up front to the midfield, to the back, with injuries the last two months, you know, we really need to be playing to our strengths versus, um, you know, having fullbacks that – have grown up playing attacking style. We've talked no. about it over and over again needing to just play more defensively. Given we've got the talent up front, and we saw it last night. And I don't want to get into it too early, but yeah, just the fact that we didn't didn't need you know Wiley pushing up against Arujo's space on the the left side. <laughs> right. Just stay home and and play defensive and let him have all that space up there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think their outside backs, I mean, certainly with the outside backs that we've had for most of the season, which has been Wiley McFadden, you know, the outside backs in Seattle and Roldan, you know, are much better than us. And so, you know, they probably would like to have Roldan on the ball, you know, outside. I think I've argued on the podcast and, you know, we talked about it a lot. We don't want McFadden on the ball when it
1: could be Almada on the ball or Araujo on the ball, et cetera. Um, And in that that Seattle game, I'm trying to remember, did we play five in the back in that game? I think we did.
0: No, we played four. Um, I had the lineup
1: up, actually. Just give me one second. Yeah, that's the other thing. I feel like Pineda has shifted the lineup around quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I mean he is he's absolutely um all over the place when it comes to the lineup. But so it's Rios, Novo, Ovingol, McFadden, Herata, Franco and Wiley, um, Sosa and Josetu in defense amid, Cisneros, Almada, Araujo, um, and Martinez. Okay. So no, we didn't we haven't played five in the back. I mean he's resisted that temptation, which I think is is good and bad, right? So if you all the problems we've talked about bombing forward on the outside and all the problems that creates, um, you have to then play five in the back. But if we play in the five in the back, that's even to our detriment because then we put on an extra center back we don't really have, yeah. right, at the detriment of having one of the center midfielders or one of the attackers. So um, I think he's resisted properly the temptation to go to five and back. Four in the back is the right thing. It's just... It's just being played in a in
1: a in a right crazy fashion. So Carmen, I I feel like we got some some chats to come in. Anything we should should address so far?
2: Well, Elliot says that we need a midfield and a defense. (laughs) 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 And proving that relatives count as listeners, my son Tyson. Um, Has changed. All right. (laughs) All right. Um, Basically agreeing
0: that. uh, Well, you know, there's a famous line, right? So um, David Moyes took over for um, Alex Ferguson, um, you know, at Manchester United after the long run of Sir Alex, and they just immediately slumped right down to mid table. They were in ninth place, and in one of the Post game um, interviews, he said, um, "We need to be better at defense, passing, and scoring." <laughs> and you're like, "Okay, that's that's really the whole thing."
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I, you know, we we talked about that though. That you know, so so last night particularly was left on an island, right? So in terms of, yeah, playing de- defense, you know, why why wasn't Abara in there? But we'll
0: get to that in just a minute. I want to say one more thing. Um, well, a couple of things about the the Seattle game. Um, so first of all, um, we score early. Um, Cisneros scores, and I think that gives him more confidence. Cisneros has scored a lot of goals for us, but it was a it was a really nice counterattack. We got Araujo down the left, and he's on the left. God bless, he's mm-hmm. finally not playing inverted. He squares the ball back for Cisneros who has a wide open look on the goal. He actually almost really shanked it. It yeah. deflected off a guy and went right in the corner. He looked like he just buried it, yeah. but he actually would have probably gone way wide if it hadn't deflected off anybody, which is not a good sign. Right. Uh, but anyway, it was a good goal, right? And then, you know, you would think, okay, away we go, you know, Seattle at home, but we obviously concede um, the equalizer and it requires a, um, absolute <laughs> bailout from Gutman. Uh, what a,
1: what a fabulous goal that was. And when it sat up, he just, just cranked right through that.
0: Yeah. Right there's times end. you can tell the listeners, right. Where you, you know, you literally just put your laces through it and try to get over it, make sure it doesn't go over the bar yeah. and just see where it goes.
1: Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was a fabulous strike. Um, yeah. And you know, again, that was what in overtime or extra time that, uh, it goal was goal an game. injury
0: time. Yeah. Injury it was very, time. very late.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, there was one thing I wanted to comment, uh, Taylor, um, Taylor Torman and in the, uh, commentary, cause it was a national game of the week. Um, he actually, there was one interesting moment where there was almost an offsides play and, um, the Seattle defender actually stepped off the back of the field. Right. Right. So here's the question for you, Mikey Dobbs. So, if a guy is right at the edge of his own, um, his own you know, end line, right next to his goal, and he steps back off his own field so that now the attacker, the players on the field are now off sides,
1: is that legal or not? Uh, I, I would imagine it's legal. But um, I, I don't know.
0: According to them, and I tried to check it on the internet, I think they're right, is that that is not legal. So you can't just, you know, you can imagine, for example, you know, a classic trick, which I, th- I think once upon a time maybe it was legal, but it's no longer legal. So for example, you know, I know coaches back in the 80s, they would stick a guy right on the post and then everybody would be like, look, we're onside and they would go running towards the goal and at the last second, they would just step into the goal uh, and say, oh, look, everybody's offside and you cannot do that anymore.
1: Uh, okay. That's not legal. Yeah. Well, I thought if you were behind the end line that you're still making everyone onside. I thought that was the interpretation. Yes. yes. Yes, so you're still yeah. in play. You can't step yeah. off the, off it's the field. It's basically like a corner kick. At that point, if, if you have – there's a defensive player that's across the end line. It's essentially – Right. You're in the same moment as being in a corner kick, which is you can't be offside.
0: Yeah. And the last thing I want to say about this game is that we seem like – and if we go back to um, the lineup again, we seem like we're inching in this game ever closer um, to what you would call um, – you know our ideal starting lineup. Oh,
1: this man. is the Red Bulls game.
0: No, no. In even in the Seattle oh, yeah. game,
1: even in the Seattle game, yeah. Well, we had Gutman start that game, right?
0: Yeah, and I, I just unfortunately I clicked on something and oh, it. I think um, Carmen's it Carmen's all got right. up on the screen okay, here. Thank you, because we just read it and I lost <laughs> it. But um, yeah, so so first of all, Araujo on the left instead of on, inverted. Yeah. Right. Um, You have um, at least three of the attackers. You have two defensive midfielders. It's Josetu. So it's not really as defensive. I would love to see a But you got two defensive midfielders, Um, you know, four, two, three, one is clearly what we should be playing. And it's closer, obviously, in this lineup. You'd like to see, you know, our our starting outside backs, but that's not Pineda's fault, you know, because of the injuries. You'd love to see, I would think, Moreno instead of Cisneros. But, you know, Cisneros has been scoring all our goals, so maybe. Yeah. and, uh, but this is closer, especially when you flip the inverted, it's closer to our lineup. And you felt in this game, well, maybe he's seeing something. He's no longer playing inverted. Maybe the backs will stay back a little bit and we'll get there. Um, but the answer is no, because he just flips it back in the Cincinnati game. And I think as we're about to go to now, uh, in the Red Bull game, the starting lineup, oh my goodness,
1: Mikey Dobbs. So, as we get into this, Dave, like a lot of the listeners don't know your background in, in coaching, yeah. um, and I, I probably get it wrong, but you know you were kind of trained as an apprentice under Bob Bradley's kind of philosophy of coaching it, yeah. um, after you finished your time at Princeton or while you're at Princeton.
0: Yeah, Bob Bradley at the time was the Princeton coach. He started the Princeton Soccer Association or reinvented it. Um, and so that was the club that I coached under. So he was the head of the club. I coached under him. Um, I didn't spend a lot of time with Bob Bradley. I spent some time with him, but I spent a lot of time with his insist- his assistant coach, Chris Mayer, who was, you know, obviously using a lot of the same philosophy and whatever.
1: So, yeah, you know, in terms of, you know, your your understanding of the game and and the tactical positioning with the talent that you have, Bob Bradley is obviously, you know, one of the, the, the best U.S. national national team coaches we've had. He's got a long legacy in the MLS. I wish we had waited till he was available and maybe gotten him even uh, before Pineda. So
0: well, and the other thing, of course, as I've talked a little bit about on the podcast, is that I also spent a number of years coaching, helping out professionally with Paul Riley. Uh, obviously, we don't want to talk about some of the other aspects of Paul Riley, but as a coach, right? I mean, he is a probably the most successful women's club coach ever right um, and I learned a, a lot of what I take is actually built predicated a lot on his actual tactics. okay so yeah I was very fortunate to coach under two of the giants of US soccer.
1: And so you know in, in my background you know really not knowing a lot about tactical soccer you know I played Division one college but as I've sat with you and, and gone through this process of the podcast, you know, it has become educational for me to kind of understand some of the things that are really hard to see for the average listener, like sitting with you in the game last night and just seeing some basic stuff right out of the gates. Right. <laughs> right. Um, Carmen, I don't know if you want to pull up the photo that um, kind of, this is the kickoff and they always have it on the highlights, mm-hmm. but this, you know, this really highlights the philosophy that Pineda is trying to play with four in the back. And we've, we've, hit it over the head a million times that you know, the fullbacks who are designed to bomb up do so and it really makes us basically play with two in the back versus four
0: yeah so you want me to explain it to them yeah right so um for those of you on the youtube channel you can see so we're kicking off um we're in the the black and red our classic five stripes um red bulls are in white Um, So we have a whole bunch of people lined up at midfield, and Mikey Dobbs has correctly given them yellow arrows showing them go forward, right? Um, And in particular, our two outside backs started literally right on midfield. So the the design of the play is Araujo is kicking off. He's going to drop it back to Franco. And the idea behind it is now Franco is going to launch it, you know, and hopefully, you know, hit one of those guys down the line. But here's the thing right? If he doesn't get it right, and we've seen a couple of examples of this already this season where, you know, they got a little pressure on, you know, Almada one time when he was supposed to do it. And instead of playing it, he cut it and played a small ball that got intercepted. And in this game, Franco, to be honest, he shanks the ball, right? And when he shanks the ball, what? It gets headed
1: right back towards those two.
0: They literally have four guys who Mikey Dobbs has shown with red arrows, four guys who just ran off the kickoff and are going to try to pressure the ball. Right. And they're, you know, you would say useless because they're going to just, the ball is going to get kicked over them. But when it doesn't get kicked over them, they now suddenly have four guys running with the ball against only two in the back. We literally
1: could have given up a goal in the yeah. first 10 seconds. Yeah. I mean, it could have easily been three on two had that header that they basically ricocheted back. And it, And it was interesting because it highlighted right out of the gates the vulnerability of of that style.
0: Yeah, and and again, the thing that we like to emphasize is, all right, you know, obviously, offensively, you've got to take chances. And you and I are both really into attacking soccer, right? So nobody says we shouldn't take chances, right? So if this were, you know, a kind of a thing that got us a good chance pretty often, you might say, well, you know, how often is Franco going to shank the ball? Probably not very often. But have you ever seen that really work on a kickoff? Is that really going to help us? No. I've never seen it work on a kickoff. I mean, what I would honestly, if, if, you know, if you're against the Red Bulls and you don't want to get pressed right off the bat, you know, I'm fine with him dropping it off and just launching it out of bounds in the deep corner and going on pressing them, making them uncomfortable, and making them, them build out of the play, back. Yeah, but why do you need anybody to even
1: run for that, or at least the normal runs? Right. Yeah, I mean, I actually like that play. You know, bombing it into the corner. Yeah, that's and okay.
0: I have no problem with that play. I just have a problem when you run that yeah. play and you leave only yeah. two in the
1: back. You do that, and then you got a cold team trying to play out of the back, and then it's it's almost like a guarantee that you're going to get the ball and be able to recycle it back in.
0: So, Carmen, you can describe the two yellow boxed defenders. How far is it between them and any other Atlanta United player? Far. <laughs> far. it's like the grand canyon yeah. people yes. Too right far. yeah it's yeah. like
1: 25 yards yeah
0: if you were trying to string a rope across the grand canyon you probably wouldn't make it <laughs> yeah it's not it's not good and and i think you know you know if there was any doubt about um what we were going to do in this game you know Literally in the first, literally before kickoff, we knew that the outside backs were going to be bombing forward the whole time. Yep. And, you know, I th- again, I think Pineda thinks that those guys bombing on the outside are going to create openings for our best players in the middle, Almada, Araujo, you know, Moreno. And, and you know, in this game, and I think maybe we should now talk about the lineup. So we started with all four MAMA. And Cisneros. So we started with five guys who basically only play attacking. We started with the four in the back, right? And one central midfielder, right? Right, And we talked about this all last year after, um, after Rob Valentino made way for Pineda. And we were playing five in the back and only one in the center midfield, right? And what happens is it's just an island, and it's too much.
1: Yeah, I think that's to Elliot's point in terms of midfield and defense. Why not take Cisneros off or Martinez, whichever, only play one of them as a striker up front, and then fortify the midfield with Abara Or even Josetu, which is somebody who's a little more offensive minded. you got to play two midfielders.
0: And I'm going to now... I think, take it right to, one of the things I, I, you know, we don't like to just beat a dead horse. And I like to show examples of, of and we've been talking over the last couple of weeks about not just how the tactics are wrong, but that the, the, the knock-on effects, the snowballing effects, and see what happens. And so I think if Carmen will pull up the first goal, um, so what, this clip is paused right now. So we had the ball in the back. Rios Novos was playing out of the back. And we gave it up out of the back. Okay, so uh, Red Bull's press has worked. They've taken possession of the ball. It's, I don't know, 15 yards over midfield on the right side. What's interesting about this is because we gave the ball away so quickly. Right. So I want to point out the position of two players. Right. So in this clip, Wiley is still behind the ball. Barely because he was trying to get forward, but he's still behind the ball. He's a good three, four yards and he's going over to address the ball. Sosa is standing way over in the middle of the field. Okay. Okay. And as we play the clip, what I want you to notice is that Sosa, right, as the only center midfielder in the whole game, right? He's so attuned to those guys going back and getting caught. When we give up the possession, we get a turnover that he's like, Pineda wants me to bail those guys out. So what he's going to do is he's going to sprint 30 yards over, like almost in case Wiley was out, even though Wiley is not really out and he's in this play. Right. Okay. And what's going to end up happening is that Sosa and Wiley are going to double team the guy on the outside. Okay. So now double teaming the guy on the outside, you might say, okay, look, Great, we win the ball, right? The chances that they win the ball, they were in good defensive shape. They slowed the guy down. The chances were very good they were going to win the ball. But they don't. He gets off a weak cross, okay? So when you are playing one center midfielder, and that center midfielder is panicked because we always give up the ball and there's always a weakness on the outside and he's been asked to cover, and he comes over unnecessarily to double-team, Who's left in the middle, Mikey Dobbs? Well, in this game, no one, because we had one central. Yeah, there's nobody else playing center midfield. And what I want you to notice as we play this clip, that Sosa comes over and look at the top of the box. So play the clip.
1: So he's going down the line. He's got two people. Yeah. Sosa, Wiley. There's the cross. Now look at the top. Stop. preset. it. Yeah. Look at the top of the yeah. box. I mean, yeah, the guy who was at the top of the box, you know, had all day, did a good job of getting a first touch on it and doing exactly what he should have done. But yikes.
0: You cannot leave two players. You know, you could draw a circle around those players and there's not a player within 10 yards of both. If you draw a circle around both yeah. of them.
1: So what you're saying, it wasn't much of a threat when it was on the sideline. There, No. No, he couldn't. Shoot he didn't it. need help. Couldn't shoot it from that far and make. Well, it, make what's it far supposed
0: it? to happen in real <laughs> soccer, right? <laughs> real soccer. Sorry, in in good <laughs> tactical <laughs> soccer, <laughs> Freudian slip there. Um, what's supposed to happen is Wiley's supposed to be okay defending there, and as yeah. long as he's back, he should be okay. And then what should happen is the left center back, who in this case is Franco, should be always alert so that if he gets beat, he's right. coming over. Yeah. He pinned, right, if he
1: gets beat on the end line and. Then- Make, and turns corner. Sosa never is supposed to
0: worry one iota about any of that. And okay. he's supposed to be picking up somebody in the midfield.
1: And he's supposed to have help. So, question. Is that is that Sosa's fault just as a player? Because he shouldn't do that. And, should, and knowing that he's the only defensive center midfielder, shouldn't he stay at home? Or like, is that a player fault? Or is that like a, you know, in that case, it might be the player... Kind of losing their- So,
0: yes, it's Sosa's fault he didn't make the right play. He shouldn't come over, although he's our smartest tactical player. I think he's so desperate to help the team that he's going to come over and try to make that play. But here's the thing, right? So um, here are all of the things that would normally stop that play, right? So first of all, right, if they had happened to win the ball, right, on the outside, okay, they happened to win the ball, Right. Um, but when he doesn't win the ball, there's nobody to cover in the midfield because he's come all the way over and he's left him at the top of the box, right? So mistake number two is not only has Sosa come over, but because we're not playing two in the midfield, even if Sosa had, uh, excuse me, if he had read that correctly, there still should have been a bar. Now he would have been two V one, but he would have gone to the most dangerous guy and gotten a little pressure or maybe it would have just fallen right to him. Right, right. There should never be an opportunity where if Sosa goes to cover for someone, we have nobody else. Yeah,
1: right. And by the way, that whole play started off of just a really poor refereeing decision. I, I think it was Franco or somebody coming out of the opposite side right before we lost the ball. Yeah, when we played the ball it was, up, it was yeah. a bad. Well, he was no pull- call. Yeah, he was pulled from behind. He was pulled. Yeah, and it was. It was almost just laziness of the ref, like, yeah, it wasn't that bad, so I'm not going to call it. But, you know, you can't pull somebody's arm like that and stop their momentum and allow a ball to be turned over. Yeah,
0: but what we would say is, yeah, I agree with you 100%, and you should have called it. But you can also give up a goal every time you turn over the ball. Right. Um, Now, again, you should notice several things about this. One is, that as we've been talking about, most goals are scored off of a turnover. But there is an additional mistake on this play, Right. And the other thing that I think would have completely prevented us from giving up a goal here is Rios Novo. Okay, so I don't know if they show the best angle for this. Maybe let it play the replay because I think they show the reverse angle. Let it keep going because Rios Novo, this is actually, it looks like it was whipped in the corner. It was not. Okay. Rios Novo gets very close to this ball. It was not a great finish. Yeah, And they should, let's see if they, here's the reverse camera, right? He doesn't put it far in the, in the corner. I think they're going to show one more here. This is the one right here.
1: That is not in the corner. Well, that just shows the size of Rios. Who's in in the last couple, last couple games, other people are going to say, well, what are the, he made some great stop shots in the previous games, um, which he did. um, But. Yeah, I mean, add, add another foot to somebody like the Mexican international backup goalkeeper, who for some reason we haven't seen yet, would have probably gotten a pall on that. Brad Guzan would have gotten a pall on that. Yeah, you know?
0: so how tall is Rios Novo? Probably like 5'8". <laughs> he's listed as 5'10". So I think means, he's closer to 5'9", but so even if you give him 5'10".
1: Hey, I know how those, those uh, brochures work. You always add an inch or two on it's... So how tall is the Mexican backup keeper Castin Hiera? I have no idea, but I'm gonna guess six one. He's six
0: two. Yeah. And how tall is <laughs> how tall is Guzan? Uh six one, six two. He's
1: six four.
0: Oh wow. And so you cannot tell me that four to seven inches on that shot doesn't save it. Yeah. Right. Because and that's the difference, you know, a little bit. And so I went, you know, I started thinking about this and and I want to say some things about Rios Novo overall. But I did some homework on MLS goalkeeping. OK, so I'm going to ask you a little MLS goalkeeping I trivia. It. I love it. Right? Oh,
1: <laughs> I don't have exciting. trivia. So this is good.
0: Very exciting. So is Rios Novo the shortest goalkeeper in the MLS? Yes, he is not. <laughs> There is one McIntosh from Kansas City who is a backup. Oh, no. I, hold on, but I was, I was
1: going with starter. Okay, in my fair, fair, fair. So he's the shortest starter in the MLS. Okay. So I feel like I got that right.
0: Do you know how many
1: goalkeepers
0: uh, – give a guess. Is How many goalkeepers in the MLS are
1: above 6'2"? Oh, so we got, what, uh, 28 teams? 28 teams. Uh above going to Above that. 6'2". I'm going to say –
0: Five. the answer is
1: 79 oh okay including all the, the
0: there back- are 79 goalkeepers in the mls that are over six foot two that means that every
1: starter and basically both secondary backups are all above six yeah, foot two to, you have at least like a five inch difference on average and most of the mls starters i went through them all Almost all of
0: the MLS starters are 6'4". Okay. So,
1: my question is, can you be keeper at MLS at 5'9 or 5'10"? You can, but you have to be exceptional to do it, which I don't think Rios is. I
0: don't think you can be.
1: Period. I mean, what about, like, these, uh, who's the Ochoa guy? He's not a big, huge guy, is he? What's Ochoa? Yeah, Ochoa, Mehmet Ochoa is 6'2". Is he really? Okay. Yeah, is at he? least. Maybe he just looks small, because... Are US men's national <laughs> well, uh, team. people yeah. like to look down <laughs> at them? But maybe Maybe I got it Carmen around. can look that yeah. up for
0: us. But he's definitely yeah. well over six okay. foot tall. All right. Mehmet Ochoa, yeah. Um so okay, so so the question is uh Carmen just pulled it up, he's six foot one. Okay, but yeah. um so my que- the question becomes all right, so if you're gonna play a five, let's give it be generous and say Rios Novas five foot ten, a five foot ten goalkeeper. Right. Why is he doing that? Right. I have my own ideas, but do you know why you think that Pineda? Pineda continues to play a goalkeeper like that? Well,
1: he said, you know, from what I've read, that he likes the way that he helps the team play to the bow, back with his good footwork, which a Mexican international goalkeeper doesn't have the capabilities of doing. I just think that that's B.S.
0: So he actually leads MLS with 90% of passes completed. And as you, Rios Novo. Okay. And as you know, he comes way far out to do so. Right. Okay. So now here's the thing, though. So we, when you have Rios Novo, he completes 90% of the passes. So you want to play out of the back, right?
1: So who ends up on the end of those passes? Well, I mean, you're outside fullbacks, which who are the people that we don't want bombing up? Which they well, get which so sometimes he, it's McFadden or Wiley you're saying he leads the witness, yeah. Well, what, which what, is he's playing it to the people that we don't want to be on the front foot a lot of the times, and they try to carry it down. Well,
0: even Franco or Parata or, or Campbell, right? So one of the things that we keep emphasizing, even before Campbell got hurt, is he kept giving the ball away. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's unbelievable how many times he gave yeah. the ball away compared to a standard MLS back, and so you're like. Okay, you know, that's on him, right? But I started to think about it, and I'm like, you know, with Rios Novo in goal, he's being asked to make that pass probably, I don't know, two or three times more than any other center back because we're always playing out of the back. Right. So you're feeding into us giving the ball out of the back. When you have the outside guys going back, you're just adding fuel to the fire. So his strength, Rios Novo, playing the ball out of back and completing those passes means that somebody got to be on at the end of that pass. It means that we always play out of the back because you can't, he's not going to give it up. Right. Right. And I honestly think that it's compounding our problem. And I started to think that, well, maybe Campbell is giving the ball up so much more than other center backs, obviously because he struggles a little bit, but maybe because he's,
1: he's doing it a lot more than a regular
0: right. center back.
1: Okay. What else you got, Dave, Um, any any more trivia on Rios? (laughs) That was, that was, I mean, that is pretty amazing though, that so many other goalkeepers are just, you know, on average five, six inches taller. They're all,
0: yeah, yeah, they're all six, two, Uh, you know, there's not a, I mean, to be honest, there really is. You'd be hard pressed to find a goalkeeper in the MLS who's under six, four. And most of them are even the ones that are under six, four are six, two. Yeah. Right, so Rios Novo at 5'10", is giving up at least four inches on the lower side, six inches on most of the goalkeepers, and maybe seven if he's yeah. really not
1: 5'10". So Dave, also last night, um, we didn't start Gutman or Lennon, who came on at half. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, if they're physically fit and ready to go, I, I just don't understand. Why don't you start with your strength, strengths in a game where it's nearly a must-win?
0: Well, I don't know if you noticed, but, you know, who's the guy who keeps bailing us out by scoring goals? Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's Gutman, right? Yeah. So, I mean, stay with the hot hand, right? Yeah. I mean, you would think, and you say, okay, look, you know, they're trying to, um, you know, with the injury, trying to ease them back. But you would think after two games and, like, three or four weeks of being there, he'd be ready to go for 90 right. or at least – starting and maybe if you think even we're going to protect him and bring him off at 70 or something
1: because yeah. i also like ronald hernandez maybe even over lennon so it's yeah he but, started yeah he did start so but yeah gutman's the hot hand why wouldn't you play him
0: well
2: elliot says maybe fitness is the issue for both lennon and gutman
1: yeah
0: certainly for yeah. lennon he just got back but gutman came off the bench yeah. twice and it's been four weeks or five weeks training and I, Yeah, Lennon, I get with that. It might be. I mean, it literally might be the trainer saying to um, Pineda that we don't think he should still be starting yet. But I think if that's true, look, you're in a playoff fight. This is now or never, right? Right. You got to be a little bit more aggressive than that. I agree. Um, I mean, I'm not into making, you know, people, you know, play before they're really ready in, in risking injury. That's just silly. But he's already made two long appearances off the bench Usually yeah. by then, the third game... I mean, a lot of times, most of these players coming back in Europe, they play once off the bench, and then they start. Right.
1: Okay. Um, what else did you think about the Red Bulls game? You know, again, when halftime came, we were down 2 nothing already at that point. Yeah. And the only changes I recall he made were Lennon and Goopman coming in for Ronald Hernandez and Wiley, Correct. Correct we kept the two up front. We kept Sosa on our island in the center. And while that is an upgrade potentially on the, the fullbacks, it didn't change anything tactically about what we were planning to do to get back into that game.
0: You had to put on another defensive midfielder. I mean, it yeah. sounds ironic. You know, you're down, you're down two right. goals, take off yeah. an attacker to put on a defensive take midfielder, but you have to and, win the ball in the yeah. midfield.
1: Take off Cisneros, fine with that. He and pulled then, off
0: Moreno first, actually, not before. And then Cisneros yeah, after that. Yeah. You yeah. know, because actually the ironic part is when he brought on Lennon and he brought on um, um, Gutman, he didn't bring off Wiley. He pushed Wiley up and pulled off Moreno. Yeah. Did you realize? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Really? W- Wiley over Moreno? I mean, I like the kid. And I like yeah. him going forward or whatever, but off the bench where he's fresh and whatever. It's but nowhere,
1: nowhere near the play, caliber of player. No. Even with all the flaws that Moreno can, can be accused of, it's, it's night and day.
0: You know how many shutouts Atlanta United has had this year? Oh, boy. Shutouts. I was starting to think about this, you know, because we talk about all these crap goals that we give up. Right? Yeah. We, we do it a lot. I'm going to guess we've had three. That's pretty close. We've had four, although with an asterisk, because two of the four shutouts have been against 10 men when they got (laughs) red-carded. Okay. So I don't know if you want to count those or or not. One of the things I also want to point out is, is Red Bulls, by virtue of their absolute ridiculous um you know uh commitment to the press they really only play with two in the back often two. right you pointed that out yeah right but you know one of the things that's different so first of all the entire team is designed for pressing they have all they don't have a lot of guys who can beat anybody and are super you know skillful and whatever so the entire team is designed up front to defend and press as one right so that's a very different thing than Araujo and Moreno and Almada. Right. So that's first first of all. But the other thing is, even if you give all of that, they basically play with three guys in the center and midfield who never leave the center and midfield. So that when you're playing two in the back, you might be able to get away with it if you're just clogging the midfield all the time, right? We were doing two at the back with only one person on an island in the midfield. I right. mean...
1: Really? Yeah, Sosa's good, but, you know, especially when he runs out to the sideline to bail somebody out and then they get beat anyway.
0: (laughs) He's not that. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I
1: mean, you know, a couple
0: of times he came over and he made unbelievable tackles and won the ball. But you just, I said to you a couple of times, you know, great tackle, but if he misses that, we are in big trouble. You can't have a system where a guy is asked to do that. And one of the things I wanted to point out about it is, Because um, we only have one guy um, in the defensive midfield and because there's no help on the outside, we were watching Parata in this early game. And Parata was playing not just five yards off of their striker, but every time they went up the ball... Went up the field, Red Bulls tried to play up the field. He just retreated. He never went to close that guy down ever because he was so afraid of having no help. He just kept backing up, backing up, backing up. He never once, ever, even when they played to his open guy, went up to actually try to win the ball right and that's a problem you might say well parada's good parada's bad who knows but if you're not even comfortable enough with what's around you to even try to go and challenge for the ball we got problems you cannot say to a professional team you can play to your center forward all the time and we are never going to pressure them yeah
1: right that's ridiculous
0: right i mean it's it it it, it's never going to work
1: i have one more comment unless you have other things now I'm trying to put this game out of my mind, actually.
0: (laughs) There was a lot of talk last night at the game that Martinez has finished. And you actually pointed out a couple times early in the game where we did have, you know, aggressive attacks, you know, pretty yeah. moving the ball quickly. We got the ball in some dangerous Joseph, spots. Joseph
1: 2018 would have finished two of those. Easily. Well, he
0: would have at least made a strong run he and, and stuck his nose in there.
1: Yeah, which would have probably been in 2018 would have yeah. been a finish. He's not even making the strong run, right? So yeah. it's, it's two things. It's making the strong run and then being sharp enough to finish yeah. it, which are two different things. And he's not even making the the, the so why the run. do you think he's not making that run anymore? Because he's because guys hard to believe, right? Like four or five years have passed.
0: So you think that he's just too old, right? Yeah. He doesn't have it anymore.
1: I, he's I, only twenty nine. Yeah. But Are what, you
0: including like the ACL as the big reason for that? Yeah, or? it's
1: a it's a huge part of. It. Yeah, we talked about it. You know, two years ago in the podcast, players do and in, in stats say it in every sport. Uh, do not really ever come back to the level they were after an ACL injury.
0: Yeah, there are they, some players, they, and there are some players who take you know two years, like a, yeah. they have a
1: full year in between. I mean, they fall off. I mean, in every sport, it's just a dramatic cliff. And yeah, there are some exceptions to the rule, um, but in general, ACL injuries pretty much diminish a player's career pretty quickly.
0: I don't know the answer, and and you may very well be right. I kind of feel like he, it's uh, ironically a confidence issue. And Martinez has never lacked for confidence, but he lacks for confidence that they're actually going to put a good ball in. And so, you know, he's, once you dart, you've been a forward, right? And if you make that run, make that run, make that run, and they don't put the ball there for, you know, 15 times in a row, you stop making the run. Yeah, that, that, and And I'm wondering whether or not that's contributing.
1: Look, I don't know if it's the kit or whatever, too, but he looks like he's about seven pounds heavier than he was, too. It looks like he's been enjoying the Atlanta fandom and having some I some felt like that to begin with, houses.
0: but I feel like lately he looks pretty like he's lost that all, and he's pretty know. fit again. I yeah, don't know. I mean, I
1: think, I'm think i sure he's fit, right? Like, I mean, he's 29 yeah. years old. Uh-huh. But you can tell his physique is a little bit more stalky, and he's got five pounds of something somewhere that – I don't know. But, you know, the interesting thing,
0: whether or not... I I, I wanted to point that out because um, I didn't want to make it sound all positive. Um, So twice in the game, twice, only twice, um, did we win the ball up the field, right? Oh, for sure. There was one right at the beginning of the second half where we turned it over. Martinez was wide open, and I forget who missed it the pass, but somebody missed him with the ball, played it too far ahead of him. He was wide open, would have gone in. And then... In injury time, um, a very similar play. We win the ball up the field. We yeah.
1: play to Araujo. Well, Almada gets the ball at midfield after yeah. winning it and yeah. plays a beautiful direct pass right up the center to Araujo, to Araujo. Who then just plays it another short direct ball right up the a center. A little to
0: ball. slip ball to, yeah. to Martinez. And then Martinez in that play looked like the Martinez of old. Super yeah. composed, just put it in the, in the back of the net. And so, um, that made me feel like there's so many people criticizing Martinez, like, oh, he's done, he's spent, he can't do it. But those chances he clearly can still finish.
1: Right. Well, I, I agree, right? Like, I mean, when when it, it's all negative, which is really what's happening in the team, right? Like he's he's not going to be uh you know, the hero, right? Because everything's going wrong. Uh I just I'm surprised that early on. Yeah, he stopped making those runs that were the crosses, right, that we're not particularly designed for right now because the goals that we do get are what we saw in, in the extra time there. It's very quick, direct play right through the gut with these talented players that we have. And yeah, to your point, Joseph has all the composure and skill to be able to slot it. Um, way, way more than Cisneros, in my opinion, probably in those situations. Oh, yeah, he
0: was in a similar spot to Cisneros. Cisneros scored in the Seattle game, yeah. but Cisneros in that game hit a terrible shot and was lucky to get it deflected, whereas Martinez took his time, made the touch, and just buried it. And yeah. the goalkeeper had no chance.
2: Yeah, and before we move on, Elliot was wondering what we should do with Joseph Martinez next year. What will happen with him next year? Should he take a pay cut? Are we getting rid of him? What, what do you so, yeah, is
1: his, his, his five-year deal up? It's got another year or two, right?
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely got at least another year, probably two. Yeah. He's been talking about, like, maybe he wants out, you know, I mean, and God bless him, like, you know, where is the team we've gone <laughs> into the tank? You know, do you really want – have you really wanted to spend the last couple of years at Atlanta? But – um You know, in my personal standpoint, and it may be nostalgic, I wouldn't give up on Martinez. I still think he can do it.
1: I I agree with you. As much as I do, like, it's about playing to our strengths, which we haven't seen yet. Yeah. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So I don't want to pin it all on Joseph. I do believe in the observation that he's not making those crashing runs. He needs to get that fire back in his belly. I don't care if he doesn't finish him, but just show me you're trying to get there. Um, he's not even like he, he's five yards behind. Yeah. So it's not even like he's close. Uh,
0: well, you get frustrated, you know, when when the other team gets up up the field only a few times or whatever, and then they score. You know, you get frustrated. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I want to. I, maybe you should finish. But um, the second goal I want to talk about that we gave up. Um, do you have other things to Yeah, say, no, right? I was just
1: going to complete the the yeah. thought on Joseph. You know, I, I think we should keep him, right? He's yeah. he's an Atlanta legend. Um, I think he's still, even if he's not a starter, like maybe his ACL is fine. Maybe he's got more in the tank and can play 90 minutes uh, if we start playing tactically the right way to play into him directly yeah. and he finishes like he did in extra time. But um, regardless, yeah, I say we keep him – and, and he
0: laid the ball on for Gutman for the the last goal in the last game, the, the equalizer in Cincinnati. Yeah. Right. He laid on an absolutely gorgeous ball in uh, extra time for the equalizer. Yeah. So he's still contributing majorly. Yeah.
1: And I don't know. I mean, the big question is, and this is, you know, what Pineda would have to read, like, what is his influence on in the locker room? Um, you know, you, it is a very tough thing. I mean, of course he's the captain leader there, but. There's, there's obviously a culture that needs to be reborn, um, and yeah, that's what everyone is talking about from the front office down, right? And so it also comes from the bottom up when it comes to a player like Joseph, who's our only remaining player, right, from the, the championship, right, that's on the field?
0: Well, Robinson didn't play.
1: That's on the field, <laughs> but right? Yeah. He was on the team. Yeah. And, and, so, and
0: Guzan, but he's injured.
1: And so none yeah. of these other guys yeah. have that history, and – Mm-hmm. Is there something that's nagging there? Like we just need to move move on from Yeah. the same way people say, like, I mean, I think Carlos has done a great job of putting the current roster together, Yes. but there is something to be said for like, at some point you just got to flip the script. If we're going to move away from Pineda, move away from uh, uh, Boca Boca and Eels is already at Newcastle. So right. is this an opportunity? Doesn't look like we're going to make the playoffs. I mean, it's pretty much <laughs> a wing and a prayer no. at this point. You and I talked about the, the points. And we need
0: 48 points is, is classic. Right now we have um, 29, right? So we need 19 points in nine games. Yeah. So we need six wins and a tie in the last nine. Do you think we can do that? Not a chance.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I really, I mean, it's just. Yeah, I agree with it's you, not an, a I mean, chance.
0: I mean, this is not just. I mean, it's possible that you could get in with less than that. Yeah. Um. But typically, even in yeah, you know, mean, these sorts of years, we were
1: going into last night even if we got three points, it still felt like it was not a chance. Even if we came out of that game with three points, just because it's such a tall mountain to climb. At the, at the and, and we're playing really good teams. Uh, you know, moving forward here too, we've actually played some of the weaker part of the table already and haven't gotten the W's. So
0: I mean, if we had won that game last night, then you need. Five wins and a tie. Yeah. um, Which in nine games sounds a lot more doable, but we didn't win. It's still tough. I mean, yeah, it's still tough. Yeah. We Um, do
2: have somebody else in the chat who's showed up. We have Enrique. Who um, wanted to point out that 29 is still young for Joseph, so he right. has time. Enrique yep. still
0: thinks he can play for Atlanta United at the AGS, which we won't mention on the live <laughs> podcast.
2: Speaking of which, Enrique says Mike should have come play with the Action Jacksons.
1: I know. I missed the game last night. I went to go, <laughs> I'm, I'm dedicated to watching Atlanta United Fair. versus playing uh, – Playing on Wednesday, but I will be there next week. (laughs) Our days (laughs) are
0: numbered. The stuff that we do, you could hardly be called playing, but anyway, (laughs) or at least compared to what we used to do. Oh, man.
2: Yeah, and I don't yeah. know if we'll get into Premier League at all, but Enrique also says one thing for sure, Atlanta United could still
1: beat Man United. Oh, <laughs> yeah. at the moment, maybe. I mean, it, But not the Brentford Bees, that's for sure.
0: So Atlanta United, I mean, sorry, Manchester United has a similar problem, which is to say that um, we have good defensive midfielders. They don't have good defensive midfielders. They don't have defensive midfielders who can complete passes and win tackles, and, and they really struggle for that. Um so to be honest they'd probably love to have Sosa. He'd be an upgrade over Fred or McTomaa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think. Um but when I wanted to talk about, you know, um God bless I don't want to, you know, um harp on poor Rios Novo, but you know, if you have a goalkeeper at 5'10 or whatever he is and, you know, the 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 strength is supposed to be his reading and making those saves in close. That second goal, which is the classic, you know, there's just a cross going towards the far post. Right. And, you know, nobody ever touches it. You know, any goalkeeper who's really good – knows that even if sometimes you have to sacrifice, somebody gets a touchdown and you get beat, you cannot let that ball go straight in the goal. Now, we can talk about the offsides and whether or not he was influencing the game. But at the end of the day, as a goalkeeper, um, you cannot let that go straight in the goal. And one of the things that the good goalkeepers will do is they will wait till the last possible second to get there, right? So they know, look, the ball goes straight in. I can get there. I can wait till this moment and I can still get there. And a lot of them are huge. So they know I can get that arm out and I can get there. So I can stay at home as long as possible in case someone gets a weird so you're flick. saying
1: two of the goals had to do with height.
0: Yes. Yeah, I yes. agree. I think that the problem with that is is that, you know, um, and I think Carmen has pulled it up. Right? Yeah. I mean, it goes straight in the goal. And there is no way you can tell me that Guzan doesn't save both of those goals. Yeah. I'm with you. So, you know. And I haven't
1: even seen this. Uh, Gudinho, is that how you pronounce it? No.
0: Uh, it's Custan Hierro. Okay. Got it all uh, wrong. Yeah, it's all wrong. Um, yeah. But yeah, at, at uh, what did you say, Six two. Six two. I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah. Custodio. I'm
1: guessing he yeah. got a pull on
0: that. Yep. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, one of the things that you know, the other thing about a, a a big goalkeeper, right, is um, it does a couple of things for your confidence, right. So first of all, when you have a big goalkeeper and you feel like they can get to a lot of stuff, when you're at the top of the box trying to close down a player instead of being desperate to block a shot, you actually can stay a little bit conservative. You're like, look, if that guy hits it from 23 and wraps it around me a little bit under pressure, there's no way they're beating him. But when you start to see a guy get beat on shots like that, then you're like, oh, I can't give up that shot. You lunge a little bit more, and then what happens? The guy just cuts it on you, and you're defending, and the defenders get blamed for that. The other part that, that happens when you have a small goalkeeper you know, in the box, right. When you um, would normally, let's say, you know, even for example, on the cross at the top of the box, and not to say that would have happened on this play, but if you're a center back, you can be aggressive in going out and cheating a little bit towards an open guy who you see a little bit at the top of the box. Cause you know that if it's played to your guy and you're a little off balance, he got you right. Yeah. Cause he's huge. And you just don't get that confidence from a five ten
1: goalkeeper. Yeah. So, yeah, back to Pineda, who refuses to start uh, the other goalkeeper. Yep. How much of the the recent losses are on the players versus the coach? Um, I know your answer to this already because I sit yeah. next to you at the games and yeah. we do a podcast together. But, you know, that's, that's one of the things I think there's different – different opinions on out there. And and a lot of people feel it's just, just the players who aren't getting it done. But I, I think we're now aligned at this point that Pineda just really, has not proven himself as a good head coach.
0: But let's play devil's advocate, right? So if you were going to make the other argument and you would say it's on the players, right? And you often will talk about how it's a player's responsibility ultimately, right? right? So if you made the other argument, I mean, we both, I think, agree that it's really the coaching. But if you made the other argument and you put it on the players, you know, what do you think is the problem with the players?
1: Well, what Pineda is saying is they don't have enough heart. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> you know, so let's they're not, say... They're not trying hard enough, right? Let's say this is enough.
0: a video game, Mikey Dobbs, yeah. and let's say we can, you know, buy a few coin and we can up the heart by 20% of all those players. Yeah. What what would that change?
1: Well, if it was Brendan Aronson, maybe it should change some things, but... <laughs> yeah, so he's
0: a guy who's all hard all the time, yeah. all over the field, making challenges and whatever in all the places, right?
1: It would certainly, it'd certainly help, of course. I mean... But to what degree, when you put yourself in vulnerable positions that are just part of the design? So I think that's the the problem is if you're, in, you know, I felt like I saw moments of heart out there where they realize they are losing, and the fans are booing them, and they're trying to play hard, but it almost compounded the problem. When, so let's just take our two
0: goals, right, that we gave up in the most recent game, right? The first goal we gave up, we played out of the back, we got a turnover, right. They we tried to double team it. They crossed it. There were two guys wide open in the box. Where do you think heart changes that play?
1: Well, if you're going to say, oh, Sosa had more heart because he's just running blindly out there to help Wiley because he's got heart to help him versus being disciplined and staying put. Right. We wouldn't have given up a goal. So, so because
0: the heart would cause him to stay at home, I mean, that feels like a tactic thing. I'm no, no,
1: I was saying the heart maybe oh. had him run, maybe he was playing with heart and oh. ran out there to help Wiley, but no,
0: <laughs> that didn't work. It didn't work, <laughs> correct? So the extra heart didn't help us. That's there. what I was just saying. Oh, is I feel okay. like
1: I feel like the heart last night that I saw actually hurt us because we just played like our with our chicken. Chickens with their head. Coming.
0: I have one way the heart might have helped, you know, that so when you get the double team, if somebody really got a heart, maybe they come sliding in and make a challenge. Do you want to see them make a challenge there? You know, 2v1 and potentially give up a free kick there. No. Um, Again, I, think, I feel I like so. I think it would have been a rash challenge. They, they probably had a very good chance of blocking that. Yeah. and It was a little unlucky that it even got crossed at all. Right. Right? All right. What about the second goal? Is a corner kick? They played short, and the guy just whips it in the far
1: post. Um, does heart help you on that? No. Um, I mean, maybe. Like I'd have to look at the replay again. On did did any were any individuals in a position to jump up there and to get ahead on it? Probably oh no, there
0: definitely was. Nobody in position to get ahead on the yeah. ball. That's for sure. The only thing you could have argued is maybe if somebody had the most extreme heart, they would have come flying out and gotten there to block that cross. Right. Um, I just don't see that. Yeah, I don't just, uh, so um, my question, you know, now one thing you might say um, is, all right, let's, let's not say that the problem is heart, but let's just say the problem is talent. Right. And, and you know, so for example, Franco and Parata, you could maybe argue, um, don't read the game well enough. Let's say this is Chiellini, one of the best defenders of, of our generation who's now in the MLS. Yep. We use him as an example. So maybe you could argue that Chiellini playing at center back on that play right where we had the double team they got the cross off would have we had two center backs there and there was really only one guy would have recognized the danger and maybe stepped out closer so when it was cleared you know off the first one that he would have been able to close that down unlikely I don't think it's likely either. I don't see Chiellini being able to get from our six yard box and leaving that yeah. as a double team situation
1: to get all the way to the yeah. top of the box. I, I mean, honestly, like that second goal, right? Like a goalkeeper should save that. Um, it, it's a, ve- it was a very difficult, it was last a very, it was a very difficult yeah. ball for any team to defend when you put a cross it does just make it over everybody's heads, right, and is going far post. There's one person that has to deal with that, and he didn't get it done.
0: Yeah, but in contrast, for example, to the goal that Guzan gave up um, to Charlotte early in the game, early in the season, which just over his head, um, this one was well within reach. It wasn't in the corner. It had forever to see it, and Rios Novo stayed at home because he thought someone was going to hit it. That's a goalkeeping error. A a great goalkeeper will tell you that no matter what, if you're going to make the error on that play eventually, it is the error of making sure that it doesn't go straight in and somebody gets a miracle flick on it, you know, a toe that you wouldn't think and it goes back. Yeah. But you also, as a great goalkeeper, you got to be able to read that. You got to be able to know is the guy going to get a flick on that? And on that play, to be honest
1: with you, they weren't going to get a flick on that. That was a real goalkeeping error. Yeah. And, you know, so that's that's one where it's both player problem, right? We don't have the talent on the field, but it's also right. the coach who didn't let us see what the alternative right. be. Right. We
0: have a player on the bench, right? Maybe, I mean, we don't know. Would he have made that know. save? We don't know. We've right. never seen him play, right? right. Um, but maybe. Um, so... You know when you talk about is it coach versus team you know versus players i think you got to ask yourself you know what is the difference it would make um I
1: mean, do you see any players out there playing without enough care like that it's obvious
0: not obvious i do think that People get frustrated and when they get frustrated, they stop making the extra little run and this or whatever. That's a team difference between team playing with confidence. So what I would say is when a coach gets it right, the team plays well. And then if the team starts winning on top of that, then the players get even that extra 20% of confidence, and then they'll try the extra little run, and it gets even better, right? Um, so what I would argue is you might be seeing that we're not making that last 20% run because nobody has confidence that we're going to be able to do whatever. Um, but no, it doesn't look to me like players have given up or they don't are not yeah. playing hard.
1: So at this point, you know, we, we introed kind of your your coaching background. We're not one here to call for anybody's head, but I think we would agree we've kind of seen enough of what Pineda can do creatively in terms of putting these players who we believe are talented enough, um, in fact, very good talent that seems to be coming back healthy now uh, that we saw you know, the second half of the, the game last night, isn't putting them in the right position to win these games. The interesting thing is Pineda has changed.
0: First of all, ch- there's – there's two things that I think are really telling about Panetta. So, first of all, one is whatever he thinks is the problem, and it's clear that he understands there's a problem, right? Whatever you think, if you really think there's a problem that you know what the solution is, you make a series of changes and you stick with them because you're like, oh, okay, I've got the changes. And he just keeps tinkering and changing and changing back. I mean, even in the game yesterday, Araujo, who's now been non-inverted, late in the game, he moved over and it was inverted. And, you know, like... You know, if you think a problem is that Araujo is not as effective because he's inverted, then you stick with him. You tell him, okay, you know, not to say he can't run over there, but he switched him over there for right. a good 20 minutes. It's, it's flailing. So that's one thing, right? And then the other thing is, I mean, we may or may not be correct, but I think that we are on to something. Of all of the things that he has changed, he has never tried having the players stay back on the outside back. And to me, if you could, I mean, to be honest, even if you don't get that as the problem, the number of goals that we have given up with our outside backs forward, where they got on the outside, you would say... Let's change something there, right? Right. Like, like, you know, one thing, God bless, you know, one thing I think that Pineda has an advantage over everything I've ever done coaching wise is he's got film of the whole thing. He can go back and analyze this. So he should be able to see, okay, where the goal is coming from. Right. And he's never changed that, which really, so that either he believes that he can't see that, or he believes that it's so important to do that, that. I can't afford to give that up, and it will eventually work. Uh, I don't know what the reason is, but the fact that he's never even tried to change that is a problem.
1: Yeah. And why in the world do you think he's playing the two strikers up there?
0: Well, I would say he's doubling down on his solution, right? So, you know, when you have the guys bombing on the outside, I mean, one of the things that we've talked about, which is ironic, is that when the guys have been bombing on the outside, they've been wide open. Yeah. Right, and we've been using them. Right, we've been using McFadden and Wiley, and even in the in the second half, we use Lenin um, a lot on the right, and they're wide open. Right, so um, he's like, I think sees that. Look, you know. We're using them. It's open. It should be opening up things for the middle. The problem is we don't ever play from those guys then through the middle. So it never opens things up and then we take advantage of it in the middle. But also, you know, then you say, all right, well, they're getting in good spots and they're crossing it. And I think his solution is, you know, we're getting good crosses. They should be getting on the end of it. And the answer is to take two guys who are leading scorers and put them both
1: on there. Yeah, that didn't happen. No, it didn't happen.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and Jason in the chat, he says, I would suggest another coach could at least have us in sixth or seventh. At least this team has attacking talent. We aren't even creating enough chances. We all know our (laughs) defense stinks, but we can't even score.
1: Yeah. I mean, we can't even lean into what our strength is right now. Yeah, but the interesting even when you double down on it. Well, the
0: interesting thing is that, you know, you would think, okay, we can't score goals and so we gotta do more offensively. But I think this is this is, you know, what I would say is poor coaching, right? Because often when you are not scoring it, the the problem is not necessarily that you are not creating chances of getting forward or the problem is not always up front, The, the 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 coaches who are not good when you're not scoring, yeah. they always talk about the front four. Right. But, it's the but it starts with the team. Six. It's the back yeah. six. <laughs> Sometimes it's the back six that's causing you not to get goals. Yeah. right? And as we've talked about, this team is just set up for a dream. You just take the six guys and all you have to do, injuries and all, and say, I don't care who we have on the field. We have six guys, and our job is to make it hard for you to get by the wall of six Right, And we're going to win the ball up the field as much as possible and
1: just recycle it to right. the mama all the time. Right. So, yeah, it's a six that's not sitting back. It's a six that's pressing up towards midfield to win the ball, give giving someone like Parata a little less stress because you've got a Nabar in front of him. He can lay back a little bit, read the game, and let a go in there and smash for a win and have it bump up to Almada, who turns it, flicks it to Aruja, Aruja flicks it to Martinez, goal. And we just refuse... Like that's the model that we're we're set for right now. I
0: would love to have access to the Atlanta United Advanced Analytics because you would say the number of times that we have won the ball in the attacking third that has led to amazing chances. I mean, we win the ball so seldomly. We we my feeling is we might be scoring on fifty percent of the time we win the ball in the front third, right? Yeah. I mean, it might be that high. I mean, you saw it in this in this game, right? We twice we won the ball up the field, and the last one we yeah. scored on. Right? If that's the case, right? If we could do that ten times a game, right? Which is not a ton winning the ball up the field. I mean, it's a lot, but yeah. then you score five goals, right? right. Um, we might be that good because you saw Araujo in that moment, even after all the pain of this game and being down two nothing and being an in injury time. Right? He still had the you know. Um, class to slip that ball perfectly onto Martinez. Yeah. And Martinez had the class to just put it in the corner. Yep. Yeah.
1: So Dave, what else do you want to talk about about Pineda? Do you think, I mean, let's just be frank. At, yeah. at this point, when we reach the moment here where we're not going to make the playoffs, yeah. do you think the front office should strongly consider other options as we head into 2023. I mean, look, we are at rock bottom here. It's not like it's not like bottom. firing Pineda at this point and moving on to something else is really going to change where we are in terms of feelings about the where the fans are right now. We just want to start winning again, and the front office needs to do whatever it takes. So, if you're if you're the front office, to what degree do you think if you're making the decision? that we have to move on from Pineda right now. He's not good enough to get it done. And you don't believe that he can change his ways in 2023. Do you think he can? No. But um, one
0: of the things that I, that might surprise you is I don't think the decision to fire Pineda or not would be solely based on Pineda and his performance. One of the things I have learned after watching years and years of of European football um, is that before you make the decision to fire your coach, you have to have a good beat on someone who's better. So I don't know, you're a baseball fan, right? A little bit. There's a major stat in baseball. It's called wins above replacement. Yeah. Right. So I feel that the decision to to whether to move on for a coach should be 100 percent based on wins above replacement. Not just whether you think your coach is doing a good job, but whether you think that you have the inside track on a coach who is higher is a
1: better replacement. And so what are you looking at as far as resumes, Dave? Like, what do you want? Like, what do you what is a new coach have to have? Ideally, the coach has
0: a tremendous winning record, potentially even at Atlanta United. <laughs> I mean, Tata, people. Tata, yeah. right? So, so Tata is coaching the Mexican national team. And because of the virtue of the World Cup being in the winter this year in the crazy cutter World Cup, right? So Tata is going to coach Mexico in the World Cup, and that's going to be done in December. MLS season ends basically right around that time in November, right? And then they have off-season, and we don't pick up again until February, right? So, and they've already supposedly agreed, the Mexican Federation and Tata, that regardless of what happens in the World Cup, they're parting ways, right?
1: Perfect timing. Why not? Yeah. (laughs) So you're saying maybe Boca should be calling the guy. Well,
0: you cannot get a a wins above replacement guarantee
1: more than a guy who's won an MLS Cup at Atlanta United. But hold on. So isn't this a problem? Because Tata does not like Boca. That article from The Athletic pretty much painted that picture pretty clearly that there wasn't the greatest relationship between Boca and Tata. So in terms of who's going to lure Tata back, Eels is gone. His charm is gone. (laughs) So who's gonna who's gonna make that phone call? I'm not saying you're not right. It's the 17s sounds like it's a great. The 17s are <laughs> the def- fans. He's yeah. gonna
0: come back for the fans. He loved coach. So so if you're Tata, right?
1: But, but it doesn't sound optimistic given the reality of who's in the front office.
0: I disagree. I mean, first of all, I think that that was totally amped up for media coverage i suspect that actually you know not to say that it's not real but i suspect that the animosity between tata and boca negra is not as strong as that article says because even in that article when they went to the examples
1: they weren't like things you hate somebody about
0: yeah
3: no Um,
1: i I don't think there was hate i think there was animosity on whose swim lanes were what and tata is like boca you rookie listen to me kind of you know fair and uh, and and to is probably bullheaded personality was probably like you don't know the league and Tata didn't which is why we got to pull in you know Michael Parkhurst and and, and but
0: apparently Tata was picked Parkhurst so I, I don't, don't know, know. I, yeah I don't know I man. don't know but what I would say is that Tata's going to you know in that situation he would like look I'm comfortable with Atlante- Atlanta United I love living in the United States um and I think he's love he's wanted you know for example potentially to have the u.s job someday and obviously staying in mls would give him that possibility um you know he's comfortable he knows that you know uncle arthur is going to spend the money and i would think that his decision would not have anything to do with boca it would be looking at our squad and thinking a, does he have a squad that can win or is he one or two players away from making the squad right. that could win? Good and point. I would say if I were looking at that squad, I'd be like, yes, I
1: think, I think I could win with that squad. Right. I, I love, I, you mentioned that last you night. You know, one though.
0: thing that's interesting is the, the guy, the only guy who's had success, you know, major success at Atlanta United, um, over the last you know, three years Assistant coach is the replacement. Who's now the assistant coach, Rob Valentino. And I don't, we, we talked about Rob Valentino as being <clears throat> sort of, I felt like he was a little over his head when he was coaching, even though he it like won five out of the six games he coached. He didn't lose a game. Um, but you know, the interesting thing about the Rob Valentino era, if you will, which is only six games. Um, you know, he just simplified stuff and kept it simple. He went to five in the back, which was tough. But the, basically, you know, if you talk about what we're talking about now, which is to say you want guys who can just not let people score yeah. and then let them. And, you know, in those games, we got the feeling we even talked about it. We're like, you know, Valentino has no system. The only thing that does this is he just lets our best players beat their best players which ironically they did almost all the time. Right. Right. So, you know, that actual example in retrospect, maybe proves our point. Now, I think you could have a tactic that does better than that even, but even if you just <laughs> said, all right, let's keep it simple at the back, stuff the back, park the bus, which is basically what he did and let the front four, you know, trying to Figure win the game to creatively. Score. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So campaign for Tata. Yeah. Um, You want to talk about anything else before I get to uh, maybe some some fun stuff around soccer documentaries, which uh, I want to talk a little bit about? Well, I don't know
0: whether you want to do it before or after, but I'm curious to hear what our social media correspondent, (laughs) Carmen, may have pulled off of the Instagram. Oh, good good call.
2: (laughs) Be afraid. Be very afraid. Um, Okay. So I realized I am not a social media expert. I thought I was, but my children taught me that I wasn't. They just say I like to look at pictures on Uh Instagram. And Mikey Dobbs even sent something on TikTok. That kind of makes you an expert, I I think. think. I think so. For a 46-year-old woman, I think so. Um, But basically, the players are split up and like... Basically, three categories. You okay. have like the family guys who show their kids, like the DeJohns, Moreno, yeah. like always showing their kids. Okay. You have the single guys who have no furniture in their apartment. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, what, what's the guys? Chol. Well, those. Machap- those
0: chole. Machap- Chol. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: Then you have the single guys with girlfriends, always super super good looking they're i mean i'm sure they're very smart too just can't tell it on instagram but always <laughs> super super super, who good are those? Um, uh, super good Rio looking the goalkeeper
1: super good
2: looking yeah yeah they're yeah, right. very good they're all all, right. and they're always on the beach i don't know uh, how like in beach. the two days off they're There's always no beach on the
0: beach anywhere I don't close know where to they atlanta are.
2: i have no idea where they okay. are okay and then you basically mm. have, what's the uh, center midfielder, the new one, Juan Peralta? Peralta. Per- 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 oh, okay. he- center like, back. He's yeah. like in his own separate world. He Uh-oh. just gives like smoldering, I'm hot looks. <laughs> uh-huh. Just constantly. Blue steel. Like, blue steel, basically. So I there's like it. no real rumors or anything. <laughs> but Joseph Martinez is expecting, or his girlfriend, somebody is expecting a baby. They no. had a big gender reveal. Um, where he, it was so cute. He kicked a little like soccer ball in the air and it exploded and he's having a boy. Big blue. Okay. Po- no, okay. The only weird thing about it was there was no That's baby. news. Yes. There you go. Yeah, I like it. There you go. There's no baby mama anywhere. This did, did, did we,
0: did we sign him yet? <laughs>
2: Uh, uh, Not yet (laughs) A new king Coming to town Yeah we did not We have not signed him That I know of Who's his wife Does she
0: play for some National team I don't
2: even know If he has (laughs) Or a girlfriend Sorry I have no idea Like she was not At the gender reveal (laughs) (laughs) What I know It was just him Just kicking the soccer ball How do you
0: have a gender She must have been there She just wasn't In the clip uh, car I
2: I mean I looked at several pictures You can't have
0: a gender reveal Without the mom
2: Now I looked on the internet There was no Like no of a girlfriend a oh. wife or i mean there's <laughs> nothing there but, okay
1: so know. we now have controversy i like All it right. so
2: yeah so that's From pretty my... m- i'm trying to get into this whole instagram thing so, so i know I'm um too, yeah
1: i think it's Josetu's uh girlfriend's pretty active on social media too you okay. probably get some some insights on that gotcha that front what okay. about
0: Araujo, who's supposed to have miss brazil as... oh
1: yeah yeah but he
2: has two like little he's does young does she does he
0: she has... post or um, does he you posts know what, I have
2: not followed her. Right. I have not gone down the actual rabbit hole. I'm only no, following her. But, but what about Araujo? Yeah. Oh, he posts. So okay. he has a couple right. cute kids.
1: All right, your assignment now is to go down the rabbit hole. Go down the rabbit yeah. hole. Yeah. Yeah. Like the
2: girlfriends, yeah. the baby mamas. I like mamas it.
1: I like all, it.
2: all right. Next we next have guys. to
0: be comprehensive about right. our evaluation of the club. Right. Does Pineda have an Instagram? I Do you follow that? I
2: think he has one, but he had like one. There was nothing uh, on it. Yeah, nothing good on it. Yeah. So sorry. All right. Next time, guys. All right. All right. So,
1: <laughs> so I went. I went down the rabbit hole, Dave, and I thought I would help uh, the listeners learn a little bit about some soccer documentaries and/or movies. Okay. That, that I might recommend watch watching. Some of which I haven't watched myself, um, having done the research and and put a list together. Curious if you've watched any of these, if. You have, would you recommend them to any of your friends or pe- I, people? I have to
0: say, I'm embarrassed to say that, you know, there's all these wonderful Netflix and, you know, yeah. documentaries about these teams. They've fallen behind the scenes, and I really haven't watched any of them. Um, yeah i don't know why
1: so i'm gonna take these i haven't Have but them. i
0: have read several of the books like i've oh. read like alex or alex ferguson's managing my life oh, gee, and i read brian Clough's. anyway
1: books What are, books? Books. What are i just wow. watch youtube now <laughs> so right. in terms of player documentaries um I, I first went with with older players right so there's um one on johan Cruyff. uh you know Football's Greatest is the name of the documentary. There's an ESPN film, one on George Best, called Best, uh, by himself. HBO's movie uh, on Maradona, which was only dropped like three years ago, 2019. Phenomenal, if you haven't watched that, Really incredible documentary on Diego. Mm. And Netflix did one on Pele in 2021, which is pretty solid okay. as well. Okay. So, out of those, have you seen any of them? Would you recommend any of those? Or, would, I have. I know you'd, prob- any you'd probably that. go with the Johan Cruyff one, I'm betting though.
0: Oh, well, you know, Johan Cruyff. I mean, Total Football, the Dutch. I mean, I as I think I've mentioned on the podcast, if you watch some of those Dutch highlight films, like they have. Eight, nine guys searching forward, and you're like, you know, if you make fun of us for having two in the back, they have zero in the back. But the thing about Johan Cruyff is he never lost the ball, ever. So they never did it until they got the ball to him. They were like, okay, he's got the ball. Now everybody go forward.
1: It's pretty amazing to watch. You're like, oh, oh, is anybody going to stay back? Well, that's why the the Maradona documentary is incredible, because they didn't put up with that in Italy. If you, <laughs> if you held the ball for long, you were going to get your ankles broken, which oh. you know I think Diego did in Barcelona the first year he played there. Really, a really World good Cup runner.
0: photo of him um, in the, I guess the '86 World Cup. He's tying his shoe. Right? You know, as Chulace came undone, he's tying his shoe, and the guy who's man marking him is standing over him like this, looking down, like, <laughs> I don't care if you're tying your shoe. My coach told me not to leave you. <laughs> and, it, and it's totally off the ball. Like, you would think, okay, the guy's tying his shoe. Why don't you go back and help defend? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to stay here.
1: So, the, the other documentaries on players who are currently playing, and I've mm. only seen one of them actually. Okay. Um, the story of Zlatan Ibrahimović is is one. Uh, Carmen jumped off the page. Um, have you
0: seen the YouTube where Zlatan plays the... Uh, ha, you, you remember the movie Big? Oh, yeah. Where he goes to the fortune teller?
1: Yeah, the, there was a Jimmy Kimball or Yes, whatever, have you yeah.
0: seen Zlatan the fortune teller where he's like... It's, if you haven't checked that out, dear podcast listeners, YouTube Zlatan Ibrahimović, the fortune teller, on Jimmy Kimball where he plays the role from big where you go and you put your quarters and he tells your
1: future. It oh, is it's hilarious.
0: hilarious.
1: I mean, absolutely hilarious. So then there's three others on the big players, Ronaldo, Messi, and Neymar that I haven't seen. I don't, okay. know, I don't know that I have the stomach to watch those. I haven't <laughs> Especially the name are. Do they Ronaldo talk about
0: one. who's going to take the penalty? Um, but I'll have I'll
1: have links in the uh, in in the YouTube posts for all of these okay. um, team documentaries. Found some really good ones. This the one that I would recommend um, is on the New York Cosmos. It was done in mm. 2006. It's called "Once in a Lifetime: The Extraordinary Story of the New York Cosmos." Have you seen that? No, I did watch. Um Abby Wambach, Worm, Abby,
0: Abby, <laughs> <Wombach, laughs> sorry, and uh, sorry, uh, Abby Wambach and Landon Donovan did like a around America, and they did some things, including they stopped off and and talked about the Cosmos, and and that was exciting.
1: Nice, I like that. So the the other ones, uh, I know you've seen Class of '92 on Manchester United. There's also another one. I think I have that on VHS the original one yeah yeah
0: (laughs) you know for a while oh god bless i i almost hesitant to admit that so um when my wife was living in london we used to go there and right in the middle um of london there was a soccer store called soccer scene and or football scene or something anyway but um we used to go there, and it was the only place in the U.S. You couldn't get whatever, and they had videos. Yeah. And I used to buy the videos, and the, the you know the crazy thing is the videos, the British format was not the U.S. format, so that I'd have to buy the video, and then I'd have to pay to get it converted to the U.S. format so I could freaking watch it in the <laughs> U.S. That's,
1: that's, that's dedication. That's
0: terrible, is what that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so the the other team team ones are on the nemesis uh, view. It's called All or Nothing on Man City. There's one called with
0: Guardiola. En- yeah, yeah. I playing. really want to watch. I mean, Guardiola is a hero of
1: mine. So, um, I mean, a hero of everybody coaching. But yeah. And then the Klopp one is End of the Storm on. Uh, I heard on the Liverpool.
0: the Liverpool one with Brendan uh rogers before you know when they they just missed out on the title when steven girard you know slipped um i heard that one was quite good and you know there's some early clips of raheem sterling on that team and him trying to you know get coax him i've seen clips but i haven't seen it
1: so then there's uh sunderland till i die And (laughs) I've seen this one, which is really good. This is an Amazon Prime one on Leeds United Ah. and and their demise to almost non existence after falling out of the Premier League in, like, 92, 93, and then working their way back up to...
0: Yeah, we've talked about O'Leary as the coach. That team had Viduca and Kuhl and Alan Smith and Lee Boyer, and they spent all this money. They were in the Champions League semifinal. I told my son this. You know, Lee's was in the Champions League semifinal. He's like, what? That's true. (laughs) It's true. But then they spent... They mortgaged the bank to do it, and when they didn't win, and because they were trying to fight for the Champions League... They didn't get back in the Champions League, in the league. They didn't qualify. And then they got relegated the next year. It just all fell
1: apart. Um, yeah, and yeah, the Take Us Home documentary is on Amazon Prime. It's actually narrated by uh, Russell Crowe. So if you're a fan of Russell Crowe, he's got that awesome voice as you go through. I think it's like a three-part series. Yeah. Um, yeah. What and else? You,
0: you and I have watched a couple of Copa 90s. We watched the one on... Ah. Uh, On uh, Boca Juniors and River Plate, I mean, which is freaking nuts.
1: That's great timing. So that's my next section, which is best YouTube channels, Dave. Okay. So I would highly recommend Copa90. There's actually a couple of really good ones on Atlanta United Mm. that those guys did uh, as well on, you know, just the explosion of soccer in Atlanta. Okay. Um, There's ESPN FC. I watched that a ton for my EPL fix. Uh, there's TIFO (laughs) football if you're a big U.S. men's national team fan there's this guy who does a a show called the Yank Report I quite quite like him and then there's this amazing show about Atlanta United called ATL on fire
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've heard of it amazing heard it's really good
1: and then, as far as like just movies that are a little more just cheap. ah, cheesy now we're going drama, to it.
0: I know soccer movies. All right,
1: what do you got? Are there any? Well, any ones? let's start with what you got, and then maybe I'll add to it. So I haven't seen um, a couple of these. I haven't seen United or Baggio, the Divine Ponytail. Have you seen that? No, yeah. Just, <laughs> I think a lot of people have not. seen Although just- I was
0: at a couple of his games in the in the World Cup in the U.S. in '94 yeah. with his divine ponytail, and then he missed the PK in the final at the Rose Bowl. I'm surprised you
1: haven't seen United, which is like a 2011 movie. I think it's about mm-hmm. the team that did they get in a plane crash on? Oh God, the, oh, the Busby
0: oh. Babes! Yeah, thing and the plane crash in Munich. Yeah, that killed the whole generation. Ugh.
1: Yeah, so that's yeah.
0: Uh, you can understand why I don't want to watch that. Right.
1: Mm. So it's a, that fortunately one, that was before my he-
0: time, of course. But um, ooh, that's a little heavy. There's also I think there's some there's a documentary about the the Liverpool disaster where oh. there was the crush on the fans, and that's but when they put in the rules. So for those who don't know, in Europe they used to have just terraces, which are just basically the stands without the seats, and so they're just steps, and so you were just you know, in a section and what would happen, the crowd would get riled up. Uh, and I actually was in a stadium like yeah. this before they, we, they had this rule uh, and it was so crazy. So the crowd would get riled up and you know, get fired up. A goal would happen, or whatever. And a people were lighting off fire, uh what a flares in the in the stands. But then, people, the crowd would surge, and you would have to go down five steps and up five steps during the surge. And you know, I was young, so no problem. But if you fall in that moment, yeah. the
1: chances of you getting trampled yeah. are high. Yeah, I can't remember in the 80s when and it wasn't the Liverpool, maybe there was one in Liverpool because I know there was quite a few incidents, but there was a big one that happened in another club and man it was it,
0: And uh, people forget that in order to prevent cuz they had fans the big fences from running on the field, they had a metal fence in front of the stands, so that you couldn't yeah. like pile onto the field. And so, what happened in Liverpool is people got excited, and were 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 basically you know excited, and the crowd surged, and the people died getting crushed up against yeah. the fence. Oh. So
1: I, I I know it happened. The big one is, and there's still um, controversy and lawsuits about it today. It it wasn't Liverpool; it's another club. It's just not coming to my brain. Um, and it's it was yeah super tragic and I think there was one in Turkey I think okay there's one but-
0: either in Fenerbahce or yeah. one of those clubs
1: so we're trying to end on a, on a light note but uh, yeah I can
0: end on a light note okay what you got I got movies that you don't have on here. Oh,
1: yeah. So I, I also have Goal, which is like the Miggy Amaron story of okay. a player who goes to England. Kind of a That's a fun one to watch. Victory, we've talked about on this. Stallone as a goalkeeper. Sylvester Stallone <laughs> as I a mean,
0: goalkeeper. You know, who Michael
1: Caine's in that movie. Yeah, it's it's highly... I mean, it's actually... And Pele as himself. Yeah, it's amazing. It's <laughs> It's got everything, people. It
0: starts in the Holocaust, which is a little weird. But then they soccer their way out yes, of the camp. they
1: do man it's so amazing. and then there's and that
0: movie my favorite moment michael kane is the coach right and in their halftime and they're losing and the the coach is like okay we're gonna do this 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 and whatever and pele looks at him and says no coach you give me the ball i go like this 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 goal <laughs> <laughs> and then so, uh, that's Araujo yeah. right that, or, or Moreno no coach just give me the ball on the counter win the ball up the field give it to me and I go like this is
1: this, this goal <laughs> another Pele cheesy movie is uh, one that you know when I was in middle school I loved this movie Hot Shot uh-huh. it has the guy from uh, Melrose place what was his name um, anyway um Shoe. Andrew Shoe. Andrew, Shue. Andrew yeah. in it and yeah. Pele is He's in it. He's a good
0: soccer player. You know, yeah. so yeah. Andrew Shoe captained the the Dartmouth soccer team yeah. when I was in high school. When I went on my recruiting visit there, he was the captain of the
1: team. Oh. So yeah. Oh. And I evidently when I was a kid, I would play with Elizabeth Shoe, who is my age. I like, yeah. they were from She's in New
0: Jersey, right? Uh Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah. Or Delaware. Right. Um,
1: okay. Yeah, and so somehow I cross paths as a kid. I don't remember she it. She was
0: an actress of her own, rise. Yeah. She's been in a few movies like yeah. um, the Nicolas Cage Las Vegas
1: movie. Yeah, she's in that Oof. one. Anyway, she's also in the one with Val Kilmer. Uh, okay. Yeah, she's in a couple, couple yeah. of big ones. Go Shoe Family. Ladybugs. I mean, Rodney Dangerfield? <laughs> well, come yeah.
0: on. Yeah. But,
1: okay, what else you got?
0: I got two. The, you don't have what I think are the two best soccer movies of oh, all wow. time. I missed them. Two. Two. So one um, is, um, I don't know if you call it the best. So the movie's called Mean Machine. Oh, you've
1: mentioned this before.
0: And it's a remake. So Guy Ritchie, who was married to Madonna at one point, right? Is that true, Carmen?
2: Yes, correct.
0: Okay. So he's a filmmaker in England. And so you've heard of the movie The Longest Yard. Yes. So it's a prison football movie. So he remade... The longest yard as a soccer movie, oh, yes. Prison movie, also. You know, it's, it's not a good soccer movie unless it's set in prison. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like victory, and so, Vinny Jones. Do you know who Vinny Jones is? No. So Vinny Jones is an English defender, and he's most famous oh, for the you. photo. So he was marking Paul Gascoigne, who God bless, until his alcohol problems was one of the greatest footballers you've ever seen. And he's marking him. And there was a very famous photo that Vinnie Jones got in trouble for because he's supposed to marking him and he's grabbed his privates and oh. is twisting them. Oh God! And they got a photo of it. It wasn't called, there was no VAR. <laughs> so that was quite legal. But anyway, that was what he was known for in his soccer playing career. But afterwards he went on to a very successful film career and he's been all the Guy Ritchie movies like Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels or some things. And anyway, he's the star of Mean Machine. He gets imprisoned and he decides to play... A soccer game against the guards. Yeah. You know, and Mean Machine is what he's called. And the highlight of that movie, you gotta stick to it to the well, end. Well
1: no, don't don't. No, ruin but the it.
0: highlight of the movie is the game at the end, which of course happens. And the two commentators who are calling the game, God bless they are hilarious
1: is it Jason Bateman as, as Cotton
0: <laughs> it's better <laughs> it's better than ESPN ate the ocean in dodgeball I like the reference well but done. it's better than that it is hilarious and it, I had to go back and listen a few times right. to get all of the things See, that they got Is hilarious
1: so I'm gonna get a trailer link for that I'm gonna put it in the YouTube that's description. so that's one. one
2: yeah cause Jason Russell agrees with you all about Mean Machine oh, okay. <laughs> he was ahead of you with Benny Jones and everything
0: <laughs> Benny so. Jones yeah, yeah. Um, the other movie is actually one of my favorite movies of all time. And wow. I, can you believe there's a soccer movie that's actually, I mean, it's an amazing movie, okay. actually. Well. It will make you laugh. It will make you cry. It will, it, like, one of those movies, like, really good.
1: I wonder if I've seen this. How would I miss this? <laughs> laugh, cry, get yeah. excited. The
0: movie's called, I think it's called Searching for Eric. Oh. It's about a guy in Britain who is dealing with lots of life problems and trying to raise his kids on his own. And he sees as his inspiration, Eric Cantona who plays himself in the movie as his guiding angel almost. And it is an amazing movie and I won't give away the ending, but the ending is freaking awesome. Awesome.
1: Oh, right. So That's it on is list. one of the better movies I, mean, I have ever seen. It's got Eric Cantona on it. I mean, come on.
0: And Eric on playing himself. Incredible. Very cool. So I highly recommend, dear podcast listeners, it's a terrific movie. You'll love it. Um, you know, it, it you know, has a few moments that are difficult at moments. I mean, not like, like you know, are, are like that kind of difficult, but are, you know, there's a okay. few difficult moments.
1: All right. Well, we have talked about it all. <laughs> yeah, well, <see. laughs> and then somewhere hour and 35 minutes in, we all did, right. we're, it went live on YouTube. I,
0: you know, I have to say thank you so much to the live YouTube audience out there. Um, right. We appreciate you a being live. We appreciate you listening to the podcast Absolutely. all the time. Um, we're happy to have
1: your feedback. Um, we have actually quite a few people online. Yeah, this is great.
2: Yeah, fantastic. So
1: we're gonna get the we're gonna get this going, and uh, yeah, maybe do one next Tuesday. We're looking to have maybe Jason Longshore on the show with us. Uh, we're trying to get for on those of you
0: who are at the game. You know, Duke Cymbel were are wearing two shirts. One said ninety two, and the other one said nine. <laughs> <That was> <laughs> <laughs> so Jason Longshore, we got to ask him about that. Yeah, um, and also as we pointed out on the last podcast. You know the whole Apple deal. Yeah, be, I want to find out from Jason. We got to find out about Jason how that's going to influence. If we can get
1: any inside there, and I actually, have uh, my neighbor is working with Kevin Egan on the WWE stuff that he does. So he's oh. talking with with Kevin. So I'm going to see if he can get us an angle in. We got to get Egan Kevin well. on
0: the podcast too. So
1: I've got a I've got a little line in there. I'm trying to work with uh, Kevin Egan, right. who I've met before. He's a he's a great guy. So yes, it'll be great to have him on the show. Well, thanks, everybody. Thank you very much. Bye.